You're listening to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. Support for this project is provided by listeners like you. Visit my website at p3photographers.net for ideas on how you too can become a supporter of the project. Welcome to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols, the podcast where we celebrate early women artisan photographers. I'm your host, Lee McIntyre. In today's episode, I'm going to introduce you to a Chicago photographer named Sally E. Garrity. For more information about any of the women discussed in today's episode, visit my website at p3photographers.net. everybody. Welcome back to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. Today, I'm going to take you back to Chicago in the 1880s and introduce you to a woman named Sally Evangelica Garrity, a woman who was a photographer, a very successful photographer in both Chicago and Louisville, Kentucky in the 1880s and early 1890s. In 80, she's living with her parents and several of her siblings in Chicago, where Sally, at the age of 18, is already working in a photo gallery. Sally, it should be noted, started life as a woman named Sarah, but Sarah turns into Sally pretty quickly. So I'm going to refer to her as Sally Garrity throughout this podcast. So Sally's working in the photo gallery in 1880. Because of the availability or lack thereof of directories that have been scanned for Chicago in the 1880s, we're going to have to fast forward to 1885, when we next find Sally Garrity working as a photographer, running her own studio with her sister, Mary Garrity, who is two years older. Now, in 1880, Mary Garrity did not actually have a profession, but sometime between 1880 and 1885, Mary Garrity has been taken into the photography business by her sister. So they're running a studio called the Mrs. Garrity Studio. Mrs. there is spelled M-I-S-S-E-S, i.e. two Miss Garrity's running the Mrs. Garrity studio together. Interestingly, their slightly younger brother, Thomas, is working for them as a photographer. Again, it's hard to say exactly what happened between 1880, when Sally Garrity was working for some other photographer studio, and 1885, when we find her running the studio with her sister. We'll come back to what might have been happening then in a little bit. But by 1885, the sisters are running the studio in Chicago, and then it turns out, based on an ad that's in a business directory for Chicago in 1886, that the two sisters were actually running two branches of that Mrs. Garrity studio, one in Chicago and one in Louisville, Kentucky, a few hundred miles away. Interestingly, you know, they're running these two studios and making a success of it, but then in 1886, life changes for the Mrs. Garrity, First from Mary Garrity, because she meets and marries a man named Thomas J. Webb, who's a businessman, actually becomes a very successful coffee and tea merchant in Chicago. At the moment when Mary Garrity marries Thomas Webb, she seems to give up photography, and there's no evidence that Mary Garrity ever again works as a photographer. Around that time, and maybe it's because Mary got married, Sally gives up the Chicago studio and moves to Louisville, Kentucky, and focuses on that studio. That studio, she rebrands, because Mary's no longer working with her, 
So the studio in Louisville is rebranded as the Miss Garrity Studio, and that will continue to be Sally Garrity's brand for most of the rest of her career. When we find her in Louisville in 1887, it's not just Sally who's moved to Louisville, Kentucky, but the whole rest of her family has moved there as well. And Sally seems to be the breadwinner in the family. Her father apparently has died by this time. Sally is supporting her mother, her brothers, Thomas, who's working for her, um, her younger brothers, Aloysius and John, uh, who will eventually go to work for her, but are not at that moment. But interestingly, in addition to the photography studio in 1887, she and her mother try to set up a new college called the Kentucky College of Music and Art. For a couple of years, Sally's in the papers trying to raise money and her mother is trying to raise money as well, trying to get some financing for this college. They'd get some instructors, but then um, Sally has a very uh, big falling out with one of the instructors they initially hire, a woman named Madame Octavia Hensel, who is described as the instructor of vocal culture. But the main problem is that the money isn't there. And so college is actually forced to close ultimately in 1890 after just a couple of years. By the end, the youngest brother, John, had actually taken over what had been described as Sally's responsibilities for the college, probably because Sally then was able to then focus again on her photography studio. But in that period where she is attempting to raise the money for that college, she actually rebrands the studio briefly to something called the Athena Gallery, spelled A-T-H-E-N-E with an accent, so I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. There are some examples of work from that Athene studio that have both Miss Garrity's name and also the name of a man, L. Frank Richard. And L. Frank Richards apparently was hired by Miss Garrity to be the photographer actually running the camera at that studio during this period of 1888-1889, just when Miss Garrity did have these conflicts trying to look at the studio stuff and then also build that college. That connection to the Athena Gallery and the having this uh, photographic operator working for Miss Garrity was something that was revealed by the collection at the University of Louisville. And I want to thank Elizabeth E. Riley, who is the curator of the photographic archives at the University of Louisville, for supplying these examples from Miss Garrity's gallery. Because it's really interesting to see this alternate name, because in the directories at the time, the photography gallery is always just listed as Miss Garrity's gallery. It's never listed as that Athene gallery name. By 1890, the college has actually been forced to close, and Sally Garrity throws herself back into photography full force. She winds up with a very nice sort of puff piece profile all about her in something called the Photographic Times that appears circa March, early March of 1890. She's portrayed as a successful 27-year-old woman photographer who has really been independently building her business when she's netting $10,000 a year. She is portrayed in this article, though, interestingly, as a woman who learned photography by working for other people, and that sort of checks with that 1880 census that uh, we see where she's working for another photography gallery. But in this article, her origin story as a photographer, the way she portrays it, is that when she first opened a studio, she hired a male camera operator to be the photographer because she had only learned the business of running a photography studio, not the actual mechanics of making a photograph. This is what she claims in this 1890 profile. 
let me just read you a little bit about what she says about all this. Again, I'm quoting from this 1890 profile. So it says she engaged an artist and set up a studio on the north side of the city of Chicago when she first opened a gallery after she worked for other people for a few years. It goes on to say, but her assistant was too wasteful to suit her practical business ideas, and she remonstrated with him. It did not suit his dignity to take directions from a woman, and he told her he wouldn't stay any longer. She replied that she didn't want him any longer, that he'd better go and be quick about it. However, the story goes on to say, people were waiting to be posed, negatives were waiting to be developed, pictures were waiting to be finished, and not one of these things had the young woman ever done, for she had attended only to the business side of the establishment. Nevertheless, she pluckily bundled her artist off, rolled up her sleeves, and went to work as calmly as if she had known all about it for the last 50 years. So the story goes on with a few more details, but basically what it's saying is that when she first opened her studio, she hired a man to work with her. He knew how to take a picture. They had falling out, and she had to overnight turn herself into a photographer, which is a great story. I want to believe that it's true. However, knowing that she did work with her sister in 1885 and 1886, I got to wonder... Was this supposed to be something that was describing a period before the Mrs. Garrity Gallery in Chicago? It is really too bad that the directories between 1880 and 1885 are not available online. At some point, I really want to follow up with someone in the Chicago archives and try to track down a little bit more about whether there's any possibility that this story that Miss Garrity tells in 1890 was actually true about how she turned herself into a photographer overnight. All right, so we've had sort of the phase of the Mrs. Garrity Gallery in Chicago. That's phase one of Miss Garrity's career. Then we've had the phase in Louisville, 1887 to 1890. Now, during that period in Louisville, around 1890, she'd actually opened up a second branch in Bowling Green, Kentucky as well. That branch was run by her brother Thomas, who, of course, had been working for her for years. Things seemed to be going really well at the beginning of 1890, but unfortunately, at the end of March in 1890, the Louisville Reservoir bursts and floods Louisville. Miss Garrity's gallery is completely flooded. She does manage to resurrect it and clean it out and build it back up, at that point, she may or may not still have the Bowling Green studio branch run by her brother Thomas. There are no directories from Bowling Green from that period. And there's some other complications um, that happen around that time with Thomas. So it's possible that the Bowling Green studio branch actually got closed. But as I said, she had rebuilt her Louisville studio. But then in December, there's a notice in the paper that she's actually selling it to a Mrs. L. Richardson and Miss Garrity's then moving to Chicago. So that's then going to be the third phase of her photography career. It's the take two in Chicago when she moves back and sets up a new Miss Gallery gallery. Now, there are a couple of reasons that she might have chosen to go back to Chicago around the early 1890s. And one is that back when she moved to Louisville in 1887, there was a notice in the paper that Miss Garrity had been the first woman to sign up to display her art, her photographs, in the Women's Pavilion in the upcoming 1893 Chicago World's Fair. So that was back in 1887, but of course the expo is now starting to come closer, and so she's going to have to go and start arranging for that. 
She's also taking on assignments to take pictures of some of the other exhibits at the World's Fair. For example, she took pictures of something called the Catholic Education Exhibit, which again was at the Columbian Exposition, the Chicago World's Fair in 1893. There are photographs of that Catholic Education Exhibit that are in the Catholic University archives. None of those photos that are scanned and available online in the Catholic University archives are actually attributed to Sally Garrity. There's no photographer attribution at all. However, the Notre Dame archives has online a whole guide to their photographs from that Catholic education exhibit at the World's Fair of 1893. And in their guide to the photographs, they attribute all of those photographs to Miss Sally E. Garrity. I think the guide to the Notre Dame archive photos matches the photos that are online with the Catholic University. I'll put links to both of them and you can judge for yourself. But I think it's interesting to see Sally Garrity's work in terms of taking pictures of this exhibition so that people could have a record of the exhibition itself. So it's interesting if she was getting that kind of commission, being based in Chicago, she would be a Chicago photographer who we contacted to take pictures from the 1893 World's Fair. But of course, she is exhibiting her own work as well in the Women's Pavilion. And just to point out, I've mentioned the World's Fair before. If you might recall that Fanny Albright, Mrs. Albright from New Mexico, was very instrumental in setting up the New Mexican Pavilion at the World's Fair. But in addition, she actually exhibited her own photography at the Women's Pavilion. And her name is listed in the program right next to Sally Garrity's name for having displayed their photographs as professional photographers. The display of women's photography included both professionals and amateur photographers, and that's noted actually in the program. Another woman who was in Chicago in 1883 was a young black journalist and civil rights activist named Ida B. Wells. Ida Wells ran a successful newspaper in Memphis, Tennessee in the 1880s, but in 1892, her offices were attacked by an angry white mob protesting writing she had done against lynchings in the South. Now, Miss Wells was on a trip to New York City at that time, and fortunately, she was out of harm's way when the mob attacked, but her offices were destroyed and she was unable to return to Memphis because of the danger. So she wound up traveling the country, but continuing her crusade for better treatment for blacks. According to the Online Encyclopedia of Chicago, in 1893, Ida B. Wells traveled to Chicago to protest the exclusion of African Americans from the exhibits at the World's Fair. She and Frederick Douglass actually co-authored a pamphlet called the reason why the colored American is not in the world's Columbian exhibition. And they actually distributed that pamphlet at the fair. I bring this up because one of the most famous early photos of Ida B. Wells was taken at the Chicago studio of one Miss Garrity. The original cabinet card photo is owned by the Smithsonian Museum's National Portrait Gallery in Washington, D.C., And they have a copy of that online, which I'll share on the episode notes for today. Now, we can only speculate what brought Miss Wells into Miss Garrity's gallery there in Chicago, 
As a side note, you might recall that Frederick Douglass actually had an interest in photography, and he had traveled a generation earlier to Chicago to have his photo taken by the then-celebrated Chicago female photographer, one Lydia Cadwell. Anyway, as it turns out, the photo of Miss Ida B. Wells by Miss Garrity is referenced and used in countless write-ups when you look across the internet and in books about Ida B. Wells' life. The Smithsonian correctly identifies that the Miss Garrity, the photographer for that photo, was Miss Sally E. Garrity, but I have seen it misidentified online as Mary Garrity as a photographer, but of course we now know that that's false since Mary Garrity gave up photography when she got married in 1886. Anyway, I'm hoping at some point to run across some more information about how Ida B. Wells happened to get her photo taken by Miss Garrity in Chicago circa 1893. And if anyone out there has any information to point me towards, please do get in touch. But in any case, I thought it was just interesting to find this connection between Miss Garrity in a way that makes Miss Garrity actually collected and celebrated as a photographer because of the person in the photo and we have one more bit of news from 1893 regarding Sally Garrity and a connection, actually, to the 1893 Columbian Exhibition. In the Chicago Daily News on December 16, 1893, there's the following notice in the paper. The notice reads, Miss Garrity to wed. Chicago's well-known lady photographer marries an ex-consul. William Elmendorf Rothery consul for Liberia for the past 10 years at Philadelphia, and recently the World's Fair Commissioner for the same country, will be married this evening at the residence of Archbishop Fian. The bride will be Miss Sally Evangelista Garrity, the photographer at Jackson Street at Wabash Avenue. After a week's trip through the East, the couple will settle in Chicago permanently. However, unlike what it says in that notice, the couple does not seem to settle down in Chicago. In fact, Miss Garrity, now Mrs. Rothery, closes her studio and seems to give up photography entirely. The Rotheries move west and they become newspaper and magazine publishers. Sally Rothery also writes newspaper and magazine articles. Now, William and Sally Rothery apparently had a rather interesting marriage relationship, um, because we see them in the directories sometime together, sometimes apart, sometimes living apart in the same town, or sometimes living in different states. Mostly, Sally is based in Los Angeles, although at one point she does wind up living in San Francisco. William, on the other hand, turns up all up and down the West Coast. In the 1900 census, though, there was a period when they were living together. They were both in LA, and Sally's niece... Uh, the 19-year-old Florence Keefe, um, who was the daughter of her elder sister, Catherine, um, is actually living with them. By 1906, though, the marriage for the Rotheries is over. And Sally, who's at that point living in L.A. with her sister, Catherine, um, she sues for divorce from William Rothery. He's up in Portland at this point. A notice appears in the L.A. Times on August 4th, 1906, that, quote, Sally E. Rothery obtained a decree from William E. Rothery on the grounds of failure to provide and dissipation, among other things. In August of 1906, Sally is only in her mid-40s. 
She's already had several successful careers to this point, though, uh, including originally she was a photographer, and then later she is a newspaper publisher, a magazine publisher, and of course a writer. She's listed in the 1907 LA directory, but there's no occupation listed for her, so there's no clue as to what she's planning to do next. But then, on June 17th, 1907, less than a year after her divorce from William Rothery, Sally E. Garrity Rothery, age 45, is dead. Her death is attributed to dropsy, which today we would call edema. She dies in Ocean Park, California, at the home of her sister, Catherine Keefe. I gotta tell you, no matter how many stories my husband and I dive into to track down the lives of these early women photographers, it's always a shock to run across an unexpectedly early ending uh, when someone dies so young. So that's the life story of Miss Sally E. Garrity, a Chicago photographer who built a successful photography practice with multiple studio branches, both in Chicago and places in Kentucky, over a 10 or more year period. And she's an example of a wind photographer who partnered with a sister early on in that Mrs. Garrity studios that were in both Chicago and Louisville. And then, as Miss Garrity, she continued to build her studio and her reputation as a skilled photographer, all on her own. For the episode notes today, I'll include images by Miss Garrity or the Mrs. Garrity or the Athena Studio, um, some from the University of Louisville's archives. Again, I want to thank Elizabeth Riley for sending those examples and allowing me to share them here with the podcast. Also put some links to that um, archive at Notre Dame and also at the Catholic University, which have the information about and then digital copies of Sally Garrity's pictures of the Catholic education exhibit. As always, they'll be available on the website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. If you have any questions or have any information about Sally Garrity's work uh, that you have from any other archive or that you've run across on your own, drop me a line at podcast at p3photographers.net. And remember, I do put information on the Facebook page for the podcast, which is at facebook.com slash p3photographers. This month, look for more information about a new feature I'm hoping to start, which ha- will have some more information about the side stories that I wind up uncovering when we're looking for information about the photographers. So Chris and I are both fascinated by the side stories, and I always want to share them, but I decided that I'd take them out of the main story if they didn't directly relate to the photographer. But I would like to share them, so look for more information about that. I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to write it all up, but I got to tell you, um, Sally Gallery is connected to a lot of intriguing side stories, but unfortunately, a lot of the ones about her husband actually start more after her death. Look for more information about that, again, on the Facebook page. I'll also put links on the regular website whenever I post that information. So look for that, again, at p3photographers.net or at facebook.com slash p3photographers. But in any case, that's it for today's episode. 
I hope you enjoyed this introduction to yet another talented early women photographer from Chicago. Special thanks to my husband, Chris, for doing a lot of extra research to track down some of the details about Sally Garrity, which were really actually a little bit harder than normal to track down due to variations in spelling, and as I mentioned, a lot of missing directories, or missing from the standpoint that they're just not available online. In any case, thanks for stopping by. Until next time, I'm Lee, and this is Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. Mm-hmm.